Welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Some things that Father's been putting in my heart over the last few months um, was, was confirmed for me through this weekend. And God brought some new things. We, we, were, uh, we, we drove over Friday to Olympia. To uh, I was one of the speakers at a memorial service for uh, someone that was a part of a church plant that, that we did in the 1980s. And we were there. We were there almost a decade uh, with that church plant, and uh, she was a really significant part. And uh, then uh, just uh, just watched God do things. But as I was there that week and hearing from people and what God is doing, he just brought some more confirmation to this message that Father gave me for you several months ago. And yet, he's been just bringing confirmation and confirmation. And so, I'm going to ask you to just have really good open ears and a really receptive heart. And it, it, fits, it fits beautifully with the worship that uh, our team led us in. I, I got to tell you, I marvel each week at how our worship team has just exactly the right music for what God is doing. You know, it, it's, it's, just, it's just beautiful. It's kind of like we must have the same father and the same spirit or something, you know? And uh, it's fun to... That was a joke, by the way. Okay? I know. I, I got weird, weird humor, but um, you'll get it. Father, speak to us. Teach us right now, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure that you may be like me. You are saddened and never again want to hear about dimpled chads, pregnant chads, hanging chads, or any other kind of a chad, except maybe a guy whose name is Chad. (laughs) You know. Uh, You... Your heart grieves for those that have been wounded in the families that have lost loved ones through shootings. And you look at the arguing and the bickering, the rancor and the accusations and the nonstop investigations and you go what has happened to the United States of America and then you watch Christian broadcasting and you see the media smiles and the flawless productions and the positive motivational talks that are not relevant to the bigotry 
and the divisiveness and the arguing and the hatefulness and those positive motivational messages that have no authority and are making no difference in the moral landslide of our nation. And it breaks your heart. And you wonder, what's going on? What's happening? Where are we going? And I don't know if you're like I am. I mean, there there are days that I just go, can I just pull the covers over my head and tunnel? Because I don't like where this is going. I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't like the level of violence. I don't like the, the, the rancor in the conversation. I sure don't like the hatred that is going on. And, and it's, it's like we, we have reached a point that, you know what? I, there, there's no loving disagreement that you can't say, well, you know, I, I don't quite see it that way. Wait a minute. You don't see it that way? You're bigoted. I hate you. And, and just this, this whole thing, and it's back and forth. Do you realize this is what led to the love in and the flower children in 1967? We had a president that gave us a dream. Don't ask what your country can do for you. Ask what can you do for your country. Gave us a dream. And he was killed. It was an amazing man of God who stood on the Washington Mall and said, I have a dream. When's the last time you listened to that speech in its entirety and really listened? He was shot. And then the brother who wanted to carry on the dream of us not asking what our country can do first, what we can do for our country. And he was killed. And my generation was sick of the violence. We were sick of the images in the rice paddies of Nam. We weren't, we weren't sick of the men. My heart broke for the men that came home and had urine thrown on them and called baby killers. Myself, during that same time, Sometimes I had to go downtown wearing my uniform. And when I walked in wearing my uniform, store clerks would turn and walk away. Wouldn't even talk to me. This, this was the era. But that level of hatred and rancor is what led to the flower children and the love in. It wasn't the answer. But they were looking for an answer. We got another generation looking for the answer. They need an answer. And the answer isn't gun control. The answer isn't no borders. 
That's a weird statement, just thinking about that. Just, just think about that sometime and look at history and you just go, that's really weird. Never in history. But that's not the answer. Though we have the answer. And I want to I share with you God's answer. Because see, I, I want to say to you, now listen closely, okay? Maybe what I've just shared with you has made you mad. So don't, you know, and, 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 and I get that because that, that spirit, that spirit of offense, that spirit of anger that has swept this nation is finding its way into the church too. And if you, if, if, if you, don't, if you don't agree with me, then, then you're a heretic and I'm out of here, okay? But let, let me share with you, hang on. I've got really, really good news for you. But I want to tell you this. Don't give up and don't give in. Don't give up and don't give in. Because though you can't see it with your eye, a perfect storm is forming on the horizon. And with that perfect storm is coming a spiritual hurricane that is going to sweep. And it'll be a spiritual hurricane that this nation has never seen in its history. It's going to be overwhelming. Jesus promised it. Almighty God promised it. In this, in this perfect storm that is coming, we're going to see two things happening. We're going to see spiritual apostasy at a level that will just sicken you. But on the other hand, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was promised in Joel 2.28. Some will go, wait a minute, I thought that was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 was the near fulfillment. A part of the study of scripture you discover that prophecy has its near and its distant fulfillment. And the near fulfillment of Joel 2.28 was Peter on the day of Pentecost saying, don't you know this is Joel 2.28? But when you read it in its context, you realize that there's definitely a last day component in it. And so God is saying, not only am I going to birth my church in the mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, but I'm going to finish my church in the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit that the human race has ever seen. And that day's coming, and that storm is forming. Well, how do you know that? Because I've seen it before. Now, most of you in this room, because we don't really teach history anymore, and we sure don't teach spiritual history of America, you, you don't know the markers. But there, 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 are, there are similar markers that have been there from the first great awakening to the second great awakening, to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the beginning of the 20th century, to the Jesus people revolution of the 1960s and 70s in the charismatic renewal that began at that same time that went on into the 80s. The Jesus people revolution kind of began waning in the latter part of the 70s, but the charismatic renewal kept the wave going on into the mid part of the 1980s. And now here we are. 
almost 40 years later. America's in another one of these crises. Similar. So similar. The pattern is so similar. And, and when, you, when, you get, when you get this level of hopelessness, this level of violence, when you, get, when you get people this sick of what's going on in the culture, it begins to create a perfect storm because people then begin looking for perfect love. They begin looking for authenticity. They begin looking for that which gives them true hope. See, just, just as the Jesus people, or the, the ones of the Jesus people era, they didn't find that in LSD and Led Zeppelin. And, 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 uh, and they, they didn't find hope. They, the love-in of San Francisco left them so empty, so empty and so hopeless. And, and we're seeing the same thing today. Listen, it doesn't matter how many states legalized marijuana and, and how many reefers you smoke in a day, it's still not going to give you hope. It's still not going to give you peace. You're not going to find it there. You're not going to find it in any of that stuff. We already have discovered that opiates and heroin and coke doesn't give you anything except a terrible ending. That we're, we're, we're seeing that. See, it's all creating this perfect storm. Let's look at it in scripture. God founded the nation of Israel in a covenant. In a covenant. A covenant that he had made with Abraham and his son Isaac, his grandson Jacob. He said to all three of them, this is what I'll do to your descendants. I'm going to give you this land. And God keeps his covenant forever. And he gave them the land. Now, in the meantime, he had to send Moses, a shepherd, to go get them out of slavery in Egypt. Isn't that an interesting parallel? He had to send Moses, a shepherd, to go get them out of Egypt to bring them to the land of promise. Almighty God sent the good shepherd to get us out of slavery to take us to the land of promise. Just, just a little nugget. That's extra. No charge. And he took them to the land of promise. They got into the land of promise though. And when they got into the land of promise, they began to turn their back on God. And then they turned their back on God so far, they renounced God and threw God out. And they turned their heart to idols and false gods. And they so turned their heart to idols and false gods, they began to sacrifice their kids on the altar to those false gods. And now God has to punish them for what they've done and bring judgment for how they've turned their back on him because they broke covenant with him. In one place, God says, didn't you understand? I was your husband. You were married to me. You turned your back on me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to scatter you. I'm going to scatter you. And so he did. He drove them out of the land of the promise that he had given them by covenant. He, he drove them out of the land. They were scattered into the regions that we would know today as Iraq and Iran. Parts of the Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Syria, all the land that are their enemies today. 
He scattered them into those lands. But then God is a God of mercy and love. And I told you, he keeps his covenant forever. Keeps his covenant forever. I want you to to go with me to one of the prophets during this time of exile. While they were in exile. In Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 22 and 23. Would you read this with me? Look, Look at what God says. You're kidding. It worked in the first service. And my battery went dead. Okay. Right at the top. Okay, everyone together. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went, and I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, and the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in, your, in you before their eyes. Wow. You see what God is saying? You're scattered among the nations. But I'm going to bring you home. I'm going to bring you back to the land of covenant because I keep my covenant forever. And I'm a God of mercy and grace. So my grace is going to be extended. I'm going to bring you back. I'm not bringing you back because you're such a great people. Are you kidding me? Even among the nations you've profaned my name. But I'm going to bring you back because I'm a God of love and mercy. But when I bring you back, you're going to hallow my name. And the nations are going to know I really am God. Now, the prophet Daniel was also a prophet during the exile. But he was more than a prophet. Daniel was taken as a young man out of Jerusalem to Babylon, to the capital And he and three of his Hebrew buddies, their Babylonian name was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'll let you go read their Hebrew names. But they were found to be men of great wisdom. And here's why. They did not let the culture and they did not let the backslidden condition of the Jewish people shape them. They made the choice to stand alone if necessary and serve the living God and to honor and hallow his holy name. And so they served God genuinely. And in serving God genuinely, God gave them an amazing wisdom and gave them amazing favor. And Daniel not only was a prophet, but Daniel became a prime minister. And he became an advisor to all of the kings from King Nebuchadnezzar who conquered Jerusalem, the Babylonian king that conquered Jerusalem, his son, his grandson, and then the Mede and Persian kings that conquered Babylon clear up to the first year of King Kairos. He was an advisor to the kings and a prime minister. And one day, Daniel, this man of God, was reading the book of Jeremiah. Stop. Wait a minute. Reading the book of Jeremiah? Listen, don't let people deceive you. The Bible is God's holy, infallible, inerrant word. And, and they that want to tell you that, well, Jeremiah and Isaiah was written at a later time. There's no way they could have known what they've known. It had to be written later because look at this. No, you kidding me. Daniel was reading the book of Jeremiah. And this is clear back 
in the 5th and 6th century B.C., he's reading the book of Jeremiah and Daniel calls it Holy Scripture. Wow. He's reading Jeremiah. And in reading Jeremiah, he goes, God said 70 years. God said in 70 years, he's going to restore the Jewish people back to the land of covenant. Oh, it's almost 70 years. And this is what he does. Look at right here. He begins this prayer. Read with me, would you please? Daniel chapter 9, verse 4. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. He's reminding him. God, you're a God that keeps your covenant. You're a God of mercy and grace. Have mercy and grace on your people. Restore them to the land. Wow. Want to read one more? How about Zechariah? And I'm sorry, this came up kind of weird. I, I didn't notice it till too late to correct it. But here we go. This is Zechariah chapter 13. Read with me, would you please? I will refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, the Lord is my God. I'm going to restore them to the land and I'm going to bring them a spiritual awakening. And when I bring a spiritual awakening upon them, they're going to turn to me and they're going to be my people and I'm going to be their Lord and their God. Now watch this. Watch this. Because there's a little nugget hidden in here and I keep an eye on my time here. There's a little nugget hidden in here that you got to see. It's a little tiny nugget but with huge significance. Okay? In Ezekiel 36, 22 and 23, and in Daniel 9, verse 4, the word for Lord, I'm so frustrated that my pointer battery died. The Lord, the, the, the Hebrew word for Lord is Adon. And it means ruler, master, owner, the one who's in charge. Okay. The word for God in Ezekiel is Yahweh. Daniel used the word Elohim and El. El is the general Semitic word for God. It can be an idol or it can be the living God. It's just the general word for, just the, the common word for God. Now, but the word Elohim The I am on the end makes the word plural. And that is used in the very first verse of the the Holy Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Elohim. Why plural? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God eternally existing in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God. Elohim. Watch this. Get ready. But when you put just a small Hebrew punctuation on the Hebrew word Adon for Lord, it becomes Adonai. 
And now, Lord is not just the master, the ruler, the big guy in the sky. He becomes my Lord. My Lord. Now watch this. Go back. Go back for me. Now watch this. Okay? Look. Look here. So, God says, I'm going to restore you to the land. I'm going to, I'm going to keep my covenant with you. I'm going to restore you. Daniel goes, oh God, you're covenant keeping God. Oh God, do what you promised, Lord. And then Zacharias says, and this is the words of God. God says, I'm going to refine them. I'm going to make them like gold. And they will call on my name. I'm going to answer them. And I will say, this is my people. And each one of them will say, this is my Lord, my God. Now it's not the impersonal great creator God. Now it's my personal Lord. I am in personal relationship with almighty God. And that's what Father wants. Amen? Okay, now let me, let me end with this. Because this, this, is, this is where it gets really, really cool. So, the Lord Jesus Christ has been crucified on the cross. He was buried in the grave. And he rose the third day. And Mary Magdalene and the, other, the others came to the tomb. And it was empty. And then Mary Magdalene met Jesus in the garden. And he said, go tell him. And so she runs back to the, back to the place where the disciples are hiding behind a locked door. And says, I've seen him. I've seen him. Jesus risen from dead. I've seen him. I've talked to him. And Peter and John go, are you kidding me? And out the door they go. And they run to the grave site. And sure enough, the tomb is empty. The grave clothes are there. And they come back. And they tell the disciples, yep, Jesus is risen from dead. All of a sudden, here's Jesus right in the midst. Really cool, huh? Except Thomas the twin is not there. Now we're not told why he's not there, but he's not there. But when he does come back, they tell him. And he goes, are you kidding me? That's impossible. No way. I am not going to believe Jesus is risen from the dead unless I could put my finger in the nail holes in his hands and I could put my hand in the sword hole in his side. Well, two weeks later, they're having dinner. All of a sudden, here comes Jesus. He walks into the midst of them. And Jesus goes, hey, Tom, come here. Well, he didn't call him Tom. He called Thomas. Okay. Hey, Thomas, come here. He goes, go ahead. Go ahead. Put your, put, 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 put your fingers there. Oh, by the way, yeah, here, go ahead. Go ahead. Put your, put your hand in here. Thomas, don't doubt, but believe And Thomas gets on his knees. And this is what he says. My Lord. My God. See that's. Where Jesus. Wants us. He doesn't want us. Worshipping this great. God out there somewhere. He wants us. Worshipping. My Lord. And my God, he wants us bringing honor to his name. Now, two things that's going to make this different. And that's going to to set us up to be a part of the perfect storm. 
And I want to tell you in general, and then I want to tell you personally as a church family. But there are two things we have to do. We have to do this. Listen, dear ones, the question is not, is this perfect storm coming? Is this spiritual hurricane coming? It's coming. The question is, are we going to be a part? See, I, I, was, I was part of that Jesus revolution. That's when I came to Jesus. In the midst of that. Now I wasn't a part, I wasn't a part of the hippie thing because I wasn't I wasn't a hippie. If I'd have tried being a hippie, I'd have woke up in last week. Okay. Hippie didn't work in our house. Okay? All right. And I besides that, I did, I, I wasn't I wasn't a hippie, a hippie anyhow. I honestly can, can I tell you the truth? I didn't know about drugs until I got into the Air Force. And then there was some guys, there were some dealers on the floor where I was at. And I went. Are you kidding me? Really? I knew about alcohol because, I mean, we were an alcoholic family. But, so I knew about alcohol, but drugs was a whole brand new thing for me. I hated alcohol because I saw what it did in families. And so I didn't drink. And, and I, just, I, didn't, I just get into that scene. But it was during that great move of God that I came to Christ. And then in my early ministry, I became a part of what was going on. I mean, listen, here's what it was like. I would take my guitar. I'd go down to the park and I would play Jesus, Jesus, whoa, whoa. You know, it's back in, you have to know the music of that era. But anyway, and, and, and crowds would gather and people would get saved. It was like shooting fish in a barrel. It was just amazing. What a move of God. And I started preaching at youth events in October of 1968. And, and, and then I began preaching at church events in 1969. So that's kind of when I say my ministry started. Because people don't always count that youth events are real ministry. <laughs> Got news for you though. But anyway. Uh, but. I mean I, I rented buildings to hold youth events. And it, and it would pack out. And people would get saved. But there was two things going on. There were those churches that were embracing it. And man, it was so funny because the Jesus, the Jesus people would come in, you know, the hippies, they'd come in with their stringy jeans and, and their funky shirts that had been embroidered on and, and, and their long hair and, and their beards and, and the girls in iron straight hair. And they'd come sit on the floor. They didn't sit in the pews. They'd come sit on the floor down front. It really intimidate the, the pastor, you know. But they, they had Bibles. I mean, their Bibles were big enough that you could sink boats with them. You know, they come in with their big Bibles and they'd sit down there. And they were, they were after Jesus. They were just wanting Jesus, man. They tried everything else and they found Jesus was real. And they wanted Jesus with all their heart. They wanted Jesus. And then there were churches. We don't want them guys in here. They stink the place up. If they were really saved, they'd get a haircut and they'd shave. You can't really be saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost and look like that. If them girls are really saved, they'd get some decent dresses on to wear shoes. I mean, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. See, you weren't around them. You didn't know. I'm serious. And then and the churches are this. Bless God, we're holy. They were dead too. They were holy, but they were dead. You could spell it another way with a W-H and say they were wholly dead. <laughs> anyway, and on the other side, though, those churches that were opening their heart and letting God move, it was amazing what was going on. Now, I'm telling you right now, this, this, this convergence is, is building. 
And we're either going to be a part and we're going to join that convergence of the Holy Spirit carry us and just, just move. And I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't think it's going to look like the Jesus people days because the Jesus people days are gone. Who knows what it's going to look like? I don't know, maybe God's going to bring in all those people that hang out at the tap parlors and, and stuff like that. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what he's going to bring in. Maybe he's going to bring all those that are on opiates and all those that are, that are, that are strung out. And he's going to, I don't know what he's going to bring in. Do we care? It's just Jesus, do it. But see, here's what we got to do, dear ones. First of all, we got to stop being entertainment-centered. It's, it's killing us. It's killing us. Turning the lights down, putting the spots on the stage, and turning the volume up, and getting the smoke, and getting the strobes going. That's all entertainment center. It's centering on the stage. It's not centering on God. It's centering on the entertainers on the stage. And it's not releasing the power and presence of Almighty God, because it's human-centered. But we got to stop that craziness. I know we don't do it here, but if we were really seeking to be cool, we'd have figured out some way to really cover these, these, these windows really nicely and we'd turn the lights down and we'd get the smoke going and, and we'd get the strobes going. And we'd, Are you kidding me? Don't. It's got to be, I'm going after God. I am at church to go after God. I am here to go after God. Can we just go after Jesus, please? Can we just go after God? Just go after God. Just go after God. I mean, do do you really care if it's an old hymn or if it's the latest song out of out of the the Youth Hill song? Do you really care? Do we go after God? Can, can, can you go after God with holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty? Listen. Early in the morning my song shall... Can I sing it? To thee. My song shall rise to thee. Holy Holy, holy, merciful and mighty God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Amen. Amen. Did you? Could you see God in that old hymn? Now, you can also see God in the songs we were singing this morning. Both places. So we gotta, we, we, we gotta get over these mind blocks and stop thinking it has to be a certain, we're coming to go after God. Now, I kind of purposely wore a full suit and tie this morning because I wanted you to see God could show up even when I'm in a full suit. 
I don't have to be in blue jeans with a shirt tail hanging out for it to be God. Now, if you want cool, you're in the wrong place. Baby, I stopped trying to be cool a lot of years ago. You can't be cool with a bald head. Okay. He's just... And, and a 70-year-old mug. You know what I mean? You just stop being cool. But can I tell you something? I'm not here to give you cool. I want to take you authentically to Jesus. We've got to go after Jesus. And I'm asking church family that you would change the way you come to church. Has nothing to do with how you dress. Has nothing to do with how many coffees you buy at the Kingdom Cafe. It has everything to do with how you prepare your heart. See, I'm deeply concerned that we're coming and singing songs. I'm deeply concerned about this. Instead of coming and worshiping King of glory. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com. At